Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to this episode of Floods of Justice. I am glad that you are here, and I would greatly appreciate it if, um, if you like what you hear, that you would share this episode with as many people as possible, and even give us a good review. That would just help us as we try to build uh, this podcast. I am doing my best to try to work it into my schedule to do regular podcasts, but uh, the beginning of the year has been extremely busy. Uh, I was in Honduras for two weeks, and maybe sometime in the future I'll take some time to share what that was about and then just with our own things going on in our community uh, with the homeless and the things that our church is active in it's just been in in an incredibly busy uh, start to the year but that's my problem that's not your problem and i know that's not what you came here today and also you know as i'm recording this part of the introduction of this um this particular episode uh, we are in conflict, not us particularly, but Russia and Ukraine are in conflict. And uh, I have family members in uh, Ukraine, and so I've been watching the news a little bit closer than I maybe normally would to, to try to figure out what all is going on. But we need to pray uh, for our um, for our world, really, and for those who are caught in this um, incredibly bad time over in um, in Europe. And so... Uh, you know, it's just, I don't really know what to say about that. Maybe I can find somebody who can come be on the podcast and help explain what all is really going on uh, out there. Also, I received news today that um, the Tennessee Supreme Court has scheduled three more executions of, of my friends out at um, Riverbend. That means between now and the end of the year, five uh, people will be killed by the state and so we'll talk about that uh, some more as the months uh, come into it my mind is just running wild with all the things that are going on uh, in our country and in our world and even locally so i'm just trying to think of how do we start or what do we what do we do well today i have some uh, special guests they've been on our epi- they've been on our uh, show before and uh, i just love what they do uh, i have uh, crystal freeman and ann mcgraw <clears throat> they're both with williamson strong and that's a nonprofit that is dedicated to our students and our schools here in williamson county and they are really my eyes and ears i told them how much i appreciate them because um you know i really depend on them following them on twitter and so forth to to keep me informed with what's going on uh in our schools and especially with our school board now i know a lot of you who listen to this are not um you don't live in williamson county and so you may wonder why in the world am I doing another episode on the schools in Williamson County. Well, I think it's because of this. For whatever reason, I think Williamson County is serving as a model um, for um, really the United States. In other words, people are watching what happens in Williamson County when it comes to the school boards and the uh, turn to the right that many school boards are, are, are trying to turn to. And I think some of that is intentional. And, uh, and so we've been on national news with our school board meetings, with some of the conflict that we've had. And, uh, and you know, the national news has talked about us uh, as a school board trying to uh, ban books and, and get CRT out of the schools, uh, and, uh, which is critical race um, theory, which is not even being taught in our schools. But we've got these conservative groups that are just all up in arms and, and, and bringing fear uh, in, with parents. And so... I need people like um, Crystal and Ann to be at those school board meetings and to keep me up to date so I'll know when to speak out and be more intelligent about what I say. And so this past week, um, well, I don't know when you're going to listen to this, so earlier this month <clears throat> in, in our school board meeting, 
um, after over a year of discussions and debate, the school board courageously voted to move forward with the wit and wisdom curriculum, which had been a subject of controversy. And I'm excited about that. It was a, a good move by them. And so we're going to talk about about that issue. We're going to talk about charter schools, which the governor of Tennessee has made a big effort to try to get. Uh, uh, he wanted 100 charter schools in the state, all from this very, very conservative Christian college, Hillsdale College out of Michigan. And uh, and he settled on 50 that he's trying to get started. And that's not a good idea. So we're going to talk about that and what's wrong with charter schools and just a number of issues when it comes to schools. And and no matter where you're listening from, please pay attention because I think there is an intentional effort across the country uh, to put right wing conservatives on school boards to start controlling uh, the curriculum and uh, to set us back uh, years or not decades of um, when it comes to education and so i hope you enjoy this if you've got any questions please uh, just let us know you can you can email me or facebook me or i'm on twitter and i'll try to get back with you and if you've got any suggestions of what you'd like to see on future episodes please let me know but i have talked enough and so let's get started with this episode uh, with williamson strong Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5, and I want to read verse 24, where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the Coffee House at Second and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. All right, well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, welcome to this episode of Floods of Justice. This is raw and unedited right here. And then uh, after this is over with, I'll do some editing and we'll have it on our actual Floods of Justice um, podcast, but this is sometimes better because it's live. There's, there's nothing, uh, uh, nothing that's going to be edited out of what of what we talk about right now. So uh, if you got any questions while we talk, just uh, uh, type them in the comments, and we'll see if we can if we can get to them. Uh, but it is my privilege to have Williamson Strong with me again today. Uh, Crystal, welcome, and 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 welcome, <clears throat> and we're here really to talk about what's going on in Williamson County schools. Uh, there was a big board meeting this past week, and uh, I know not everybody who, who uh, listens to my podcast is from Williamson County. Probably most people who listen to it aren't from Williamson County, but what's going on in our county really is uh, symbolic of, of what's going on around the whole country. And in some ways, we may be the center uh, of it. Uh, Williamson County, for those who don't know, this is Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, Williamson County is in the top 10 uh, counties in the United States as far as um, income, uh, which I think also means we're in the top 10 as far as income disparity uh, over the county. You know, I just read, this is off subject, I know, but I just read an article where Thompson Station, uh, the average house in Thompson Station now is over a million dollars. And so they're ahead of, um, of Franklin. Thompson Station is another city uh, in Williamson County for those watching this. Uh, and so we're a very wealthy county. Of course, we're in the middle of the Bible Belt, 
And um, in Middle Tennessee, there are more mega churches per capita uh, than anywhere else in the United States, which means anywhere else in the world. And uh, it's also my contention that that we're the whatever's more than a Bible Belt. We are the dead center of um, Christian nationalism, um, really because of the mega churches. And so, I think there's a coordinated effort <clears throat> across the country uh, for. Um, evangelicals to get involved in um, local school politics and just local politics because all politics is local and um, and so it's being pushed really from the pulpits and uh, it's the the right-wing conservative evangelicals I mean I you know theologically I would still be considered an evangelical but uh, socially uh, progressive on a lot of these issues and so I think no matter where you're listening to this uh, from what's happening in Winston County is is um, a preview really of what's happening across the country and so and so this should be uh, applicable to all of us uh, regardless of where we're watching and Williamson strong their sole purpose is really uh, the schools the, the public schools and uh, and keeping an eye on what's going and so um, I'm going to stop now and either one of you you just want to jump in here and just kind of give a, a background about what's been going on the last uh, several months in our county when it comes to um, critical race theory and book banning and, and wit and wisdom and, uh, and all of that. And then we'll just kind of the conversation will just kind of go from there. So whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, I'll, um, I think it's really we're about to hit a year of this kind of full on <clears throat> curriculum battle, if you will. And I think what you said about us being the hotbed of this is so true. And we keep asking ourselves, like, why are our schools on the forefront of these, <laughs> excuse me, national issues when they happen? Um, and I think it's just that. I think we just have this confluence of enormous kind of privilege and wealth and reach and influence. Um, a lot of the state, you know, leaders are from Williamson County, including Governor Lee. So, we, we went through this before in 2014, 2015 with kind of the same groups, um, except at that time, it was a curriculum battle about Islamic indoctrination. And it was a much smaller pocketed of group and not this nationally coordinated effort um, and attention. And I think that's kind of positioned us to, as a parent group, know, know kind of what's happening. And we were prepared for it this time around, probably more so than other areas of the country, because we've seen it before, just this was definitely well more coordinated and funded um, through groups like Moms for Liberty and a few others. Um, so yeah, they, you know, are coming out swinging against public schools and public education and are using CRT and diversity and equity and all the things that most parents believe are, <laughs> you know, either not real issues or very important to say are issues. Um, they're using it as a wedge, as a, a way to cause division and strife and kind of question teachers and frankly make teachers leave public schools and go to private schools or charter schools. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's really been damaging this time around, especially because of the impact it's had on teachers and educators on top of what they were already going through with the pandemic. Um, and that's been the real damage of this whole curriculum kind of nonsense this time. Okay. Now, Crystal, you got anything to add there? Just kind of give everybody an overview. Yeah, just they started. So this kind of started back in, I think, April, May, when they started kind of a launching a uh, uh, there was meetings that they had about anti-CRT being in Witten Wisdom and just kind of this push in the community uh, to to, I guess, you know, harvest this outrage and like 
try to make people think that these awful things are going on in the school system. And I think it was June or July, they officially um, submitted a complaint against Wit and Wisdom to the school board. And that launched this long official process of creating this committee. And the committee was, um, you know, it, it involved a principal, uh, community leaders, teachers, and experts to kind of go through this complaint in detail and um, which was part of the board process that they followed. And the committee then released a report last week, uh, last month with their recommendations. And this past board meeting was where they discussed, um, there's an appeal process for the complaint procedure. And several of the people who had um, initially complained um, appealed the committee's decisions about the books and wanted the, and that pushed the board to have a to have to vote on the committee decision. So they, they voted to keep the committee decision in place. Okay, and that's what they voted this past Monday, right? To keep, mm -hmm. and so they're moving forward with that curriculum. Um, now, uh, my time frame may be off a little bit, but at, at some point, I, and I don't really remember if it was as a direct result of um, uh, the racial things we had going on uh, in the summer of 2020, or if it already started before that, where some concerned parents really convinced the school board uh, to do something about the diversity uh, and do something about um, the obvious um, discrimination that had happened um, throughout the county schools, especially at the high school level. And, and so they brought in this mom and this mom and son uh, experts on on diversity training, and they're the ones who suggested wit and wisdom, or or is, was wit and wisdom actually their correct? No, okay, I don't have that no right. Correlation. Right. No, uh, correlation, no correlation, no correlation. Okay, <laughs> I think there's correlation. Timing. There's correlation to maybe <clears throat> some of the outrage. Yeah, okay. um, it was fostering healthy solutions, I think, is is also something that the same groups of people have fought against because they yeah. felt like uh, that was something that they didn't want in the school system, which is kind of silly because the kind of recommendations that fostering healthy solutions made were things that I would think any parent would be yeah. on board with and supportive of, like, you know, uh, consistency and discipline, things like that. It, um but no, they had nothing to do with the okay. actual curriculum. All right, well, thanks for correcting me. I, my, <clears throat> I know more about the city schools, Franklin Special School District mm -hmm. in the county since my kids are out of school. I mean, they graduated from the county schools, but my, my wife is still uh, working in the city schools. And so, um, well, so thank you for correcting that. Now, as far as, as, far as um, CRT goes, that, that, the CRT thing to me has just been incredibly baffling because no matter how many times our superintendent says CRT is not being taught in our schools, um, people just don't want to believe that because CRT has become whatever the opposition mm -hmm. wants to define it as. And so any type of teaching that, that um, kind of shows the, uh, a brutal, honest view of uh, what happened in our country, and if it makes uh, people in the dominant culture like myself feel uncomfortable, uh, then all of a sudden that's CRT. And if you say CRT, then, you know, everything happens and, and CRT is really not taught anywhere until the graduate school level. Mm -hmm. uh, when I taught sociology, we dealt with it a little bit because it could be considered identity politics on some level, not all the way, but it was just part of um, the conflict uh, theory of, uh, of sociology, which is basically accepted across the board um, that uh, as, as a way of looking at society. And then CRT comes into play because now it's just looking at really the remnants of, of racial um, disparity across the board in every, in every sector of our society. There's a racial disparity that you just, 
you just can't deny. And, uh, and then to, uh, to kind of teach that, which is what CRT is really going to show you where that racial disparity is uh, in all those areas. Whereas what's being taught to kids is just basic history. And uh, when negative things are said uh, from history about um, what our country did to people, um, and then we're still paying the price for that, um, that's just an honest look at history. But then as soon as you cry CRT, and then on top of that, you cry socialism and even worse, Marxism, uh, and even worse still, communism, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, it wants to shut it down. And so, um, and so parents are getting, well, some of them, they know what they're doing, but other ones, I think, are getting riled up without really knowing what, what's going on. They're just, they're just listening. Yeah, they're just listening. And then you have groupthink <clears throat> come into play. And so now you have attacks on the school board. But do you know or could you summarize, in essence, what that wit and wisdom curriculum is? Sure. Um, wit and wisdom is a, an English um, language arts uh, curriculum that is used all over the country. Um, and it was chosen by Williamson County. Um, it was reviewed by teachers before it was chosen. And it was chosen, I think, last year to replace what they had before. It's a little different than what they had before, which, from my understanding, and keep in mind, I'm not a curriculum expert, just a parent who's tried to figure this all out. Um, before, a lot of the English curriculum uh, utilized like worksheet kind of things and like read this passage and answer these questions. And where Wit and Wisdom is a little bit different is it um, looks at like real books in these units. And um, each unit has a theme because they have discovered that kids learn better and understand better what they're reading when they have some background knowledge of it. Um, an example uh, was given is, you know, if you, uh, I'm a photographer, so if we all watch or read something about photography, I'm gonna retain a lot more of it than you are all will because it's a subject matter I'm familiar with. So when researching and teaching kids how to read, they've decided that it's better if they have some background knowledge. So that's why Wit and Wisdom has, made, has been made to have these units um, where the kids have themes, where they talk about, they read books in, within the same theme um, for a long period of time. Can you give an illustration so that, of what one of those themes might be? Well, the one that they have the biggest issue with that they say a CRT is in the second grade. In the second grade, there's a, um, a theme about social justice and it's got a book, it has got a couple books about Martin Luther King okay. in it. Um, it's got the Ruby Bridges book in it that they've, they've complained about. And so the idea is, is they repeatedly read these books within this same theme and by the end, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we read about that in this book. And they're making these connections to the things that they've learned. And it's helping their reading comprehension. And so that's why there's those themes. But that's the grouping. There's a lot of different themes throughout the whole thing. But that's the one that they seem to have the biggest issue with. So a school or a teacher could follow that theme and then just have a, um, a handful of books that she could choose, he or she could choose from? No, it's pretty specific. The, the curriculum has the yeah. teacher's handbook guide and says, you know, this is the order that you go through these books. And these are the kind of questions that prompt them to think about what they're learning. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty specific. <clears throat> okay. So then that's where the book banning comes into play then, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, this book about uh, Martin Luther King, uh, which I just could, I, I, I can't wrap my my mind around wanting to ban a book about Martin Luther King Jr. or about Ruby Bridges um, or about how many books total has it been? I know it probably exceeds what was wit and wisdom, but how many in it somewhere over 100, like across the country, these different books that have been suggested to get rid of? 
Well, it's definitely expanded. I mean, within Wit and Wisdom, I think it's, <clears throat> there were 40 to 50 books under review, I believe. Um, but this module in, in particular, I mean, these are young children's books, like reader yeah. books. And the complaints are just, you know, it makes it makes the white kids feel bad to learn, like to read Ruby Bridges' own words, because it's an autobiography in one case of how she had to go to school and be yelled at and kind of the things she went through. Um, so it started with this kind of kids, elementary school, CRT, like that's what these groups have latched onto. And now it's just set off this kind of cyclical book banning <laughs> experience that's gone into middle schools and high schools. And they're reviewing every book in the school libraries and saying like, these books are inappropriate for high schoolers because they have like inappropriate scenes. Well, don't let your kids check out that book, but it's all kind of boiling back to like, we need to shelter our children from learning about certain things and control the messaging and control what they're exposed to. And teachers have agendas and we don't trust them to be having those conversations with our kids. And um, there's just a lot of control dynamics that they're not allowing our educators who are very trained in reading science and library science, which is actually a science um, and people have master's degrees in it. They're not letting them do their jobs and working with them in partnership about what they do and don't want their kids to be doing in school, which is the role of a parent. Know yeah. what your kids are reading, set parameters if you have them. You can do that with your own kids. Yeah, but I think at least from, from a parent perspective, at least from my perspective, it's like, yeah, I, um, I have every right, I guess, to control or try to control what my kids read. I, I can't really say I'm controlling them what they read and then, and then allow them to have an iPhone because then... You know, they, they, they can go everywhere. But I think what I, don't, what I don't have a right to do is try to control what other parents are letting their children read. And so I might find a book um, that's objectionable for, for whatever reason, and I would prefer my child not read it. But, but um, and I'm sure that in the school system, they would make some allowance, not overall, but some allowances for that. Mm -hmm. but, but to take it a step further and say, not only do I want my child not to read it, but I don't want your child to read it. And I don't want anybody's child to read it. Um, and, uh, and then to me, that's taking it. I, I think banning books is taking it too far anyway. I mean, I think I can't imagine, um, you know, I'm, there, I'm, I don't know, there could be something out there that I, but I just can't imagine uh, banning books, especially that have gone through uh, so much review uh, in a, in a curriculum. Um, yeah, and it's it's really imposing your family's value system yeah. beliefs on an entire public school system. Yeah, and you can't you can't do that. I mean, I've, I've had some phone conversations with some reporters uh, this week because of the uh, uh, charter school initiative uh, yeah. about this, and I think sometimes they're surprised that as a as a minister and a conservative minister to, to be coming out against these charter schools, and it's just basically look. Freedom of religion means I have to protect everybody's religion in order to protect my religion. Yes. And, uh, you know, just to be honest, I'm against prayer in school for that reason, you know, um, because I think it's just better off that stay, that stays at home. Um, and, um, you know, if there's a particular type of prayer, um, I would prefer not said in, in school, in school, then I'm sure there's parents who would prefer my type of prayer not said in school. And so in the, and so to protect everybody's religion and interest, then it's like, you know what, that's something uh, that should be done at home. Um, and, and the child can pray anytime they want to. I mean, you know, if that's, if that's what, but a led prayer from, um, from an authority figure to me can have a lot of influence that that could be good, could be bad. And so it's just, you know what, let's to protect everybody. Um, we need to protect, you know, I, when, when that mosque was being built in, uh, 
Rutherford County several years ago, and there was a lot of uproar about that. I was like, are you kidding me? As Christians, we should be the very first ones standing with them to get that through. Because if, if they are not allowed to build their building of worship, there could come a time when we're not allowed to build ours. Um, and so you got to protect everybody's um, everybody's right uh, to, uh, to that. You know, I was thinking this is way off subject, but when I was teaching sociology, um, I would oftentimes tell my students that if they weren't sure what they wanted to do with their life, they ought to consider becoming a, a, a librarian because uh, a school librarian, every school has to have a librarian. They have to, by law, they have to have a librarian. And that librarian has to have at least a master's degree in order for that school to be certified. And so, and so you, you get paid very, very well. So if you're not sure what you want to do, get into library science and become a school librarian. And because, uh, you know, there's all, there was a shortage of that. And I'm wondering if some of my students took my advice and now they're mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and they know there's stuff to it. We had a, a board work session um, in January where several of the librarians came in and gave a very comprehensive presentation about how they chose the books and what the review process was oh. and, the, and why they chose the books they chose and how, you know, every book wasn't for every child, but it was it was chosen because it might be important to some child and they just did a fantastic job of explaining that whole process. Yeah. And you know what? And, and back to the making the white kids feel bad. I mean, <clears throat> obviously there should be some age appropriateness to it, but I, but you would like to hope <clears throat> like if my, if my child would have come home to me and said, and said, dad, you know what, what, what we did, I think, first of all, they probably saying what we did and just because they're not, really old enough to figure out white fragility and all that they're just saying i can't believe what how we treated martin luther king jr i can't believe how we treated native americans or i can't believe how we treated um african americans and slavery and all of that man what a wonderful opportunity now to, to talk to your child about these issues and and say yeah you know and but but thankfully we're not like that anymore now it's our opportunity to, to keep making changes and to look at these people as heroes instead of calling the teacher you made my you made my child feel bad um well, I, that I, i've just never been able to, to wrap my now as an adult sometimes i need to be made to feel bad about what's going on and i have you have to wrestle with that <clears throat> but i don't understand why parents didn't see this as a teaching opportunity instead of a uh, I got to call the school and complain but that's just that's just me i mean i, I don't I, yeah i think it goes back to like again having that dialogue with your kids, no matter what the topic, like my, the teachers in my girls' schools have all, I've always known what they were reading in school. They send out newsletters every week. I mean, there's just ample access to information about exactly what is happening almost on a day-to-day basis, especially in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, So they come home and it's always like, so, you know, what are you talking about in school? What'd you read today? Like, what do you have to read tonight? And I think the parents that are shocked right now are not the ones either a having those conversations or b their kids aren't in our schools so they're hearing what's being read in schools without all the other context and just flipping out because i it's just um it really comes down to like being in control of your own child's education and be invested in it and as an active participant because that's when every the ecosystem works best for everybody involved um but don't don't try to parent my kid like my kid's doing fine reading Ruby Bridges book. She loved it. Like yeah. it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And to, to talk about exactly what happened at the board meeting, since I wasn't there, I mean, just, um, you know, what was the discussion like um, and all of that? Uh, I'd like to know. I mean, I've seen a little bit of snippets um, 
you know, I listened to a little bit of what Justin Canoe said, uh, and, you know, because he brought up, um, if you're going to ban books because of offensive language, then the Bible would be uh, at the top of your list uh, from that. And I just kind of smile when he said that because I've been a pastor for over 32 years, and there's been an, there's been occasions when I'm preaching through a book of the Bible, and we get to a particular passage, and, and I'll tell parents a week in advance, hey, look, next Sunday, you know what? If you've got children this age, you may need to keep them at home or make sure they are in children's church because next Sunday's topic is a little bit, you know, PG-13 PG because this is what the scripture says. And, and, and so I think his, I think his point, uh, I would like to think they would take it. I was, I, I assume people got upset at that point, you know, cause the Bible is, is, uh, is sacred. We almost, we worship, we make the Bible our God instead of worshiping the God of the Bible. Um, and, uh, um, but I thought that was a good point, but what were, what were some of the dynamics? I mean, was it a long discussion? I, I, I know there were some high schoolers who spoke and they were fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Always amazing. I mean, they did, they said, you know, stop trying to stop me from learning about the world, like learning about the world in the safe confines of my school environment is where I should be approaching tough topics and having kind of that safety net to explore different ideas. And so I don't get out there and then I've been exposed to nothing and that's not the safe environment to be experiencing and learning those things. They want the information, um, especially here. I mean, our school system's amazing. They're expecting the best. They don't want to find out that they've been sheltered by someone else's kind of lens and filters. They trust the schools. Um, and I think that was what a lot of the commentary came down to and what we've heard is there's just a handful of board members. The majority of them trust our educators. They trust the system. They were participants in the system and understand there's no conspiracy or agenda at play here. But a few of them just won't let it go and keep saying, you know, we didn't do enough. We didn't look at this enough. This was all rushed. It's been going on for like seven months. Everybody that wanted to be involved has been involved. It's rushed, but it took too long. Yeah, it's rushed, but it took too long. Both of those things were said. Um, there's still inappropriate material in our schools. This is a huge problem. And, you know, two of our board members voted against the committee's recommendation. After all of this and all of the community, 99.6% of parents not opting their kids out of any of these books, clearly the majority is okay with this content. And yet they just believe that they know better. They believe they know better than anybody else. Is it eight or nine board members? There's 12. Oh, 12. Okay. Um, and only two voted against it? There so are only 10 present on Monday night. Um, two of those okay. present voted against it. The ones who weren't there, does anybody know what they would have voted if they would have been there? Um, one would have voted for sure, I think, uh, in favor of the committee's report. The other one I'm not so sure about. Okay. Did anybody abstain? No. Okay. Well, that I, goodness gracious, in today's um, divisiveness, to get eight out of 10 to agree is pretty it's pretty strong. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that's a good sign. Um, but, but did you say that, um, the parents for that group that I don't want to mention, they're going to appeal. They can't. This was the appeal. Oh, this was okay. Good. So it's over with wit and wisdom will go on through. They can complain all they want to. Now they've still sent a separate complaint to the state. So that's a different situation okay. completely. And is that is that part of the books they want to ban that got shot down, but then they, yes. they were going to refile somehow or another because they didn't do it right? Instead. Right. Yeah, okay. So those are the same. That's a smaller subset of these, but in the same curriculum. Okay, but that won't come up before the school board now. That's at the state level. Right. 
Okay, so is there, and so um, from the school board, this is over with? For this round. I mean, there's always curriculum <laughs> reviews and processes and, you know, they could trigger one for social studies next. That's kind of the talk or science. Like it's, this is, this is gonna be the new norm. Okay, were there people upset then Monday? Oh yeah, <laughs> someone had to leave because there were some outbursts. Um, oh, they were asked to leave because, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least it wasn't like you know that first board meeting. Oh, no, ago. it was nothing like that. This was mainly like everyone was behaving like grownups for the most part. Well, how ha is it because we don't have high school in the special school district? How has FSSD avoided all of this? I have um, no idea. <laughs> That's a great. I mean, question. it could be the, the, there is a huge difference in mentality from the city to the county. I mean, the the county is so huge. I mean, you've got. Uh, all kinds of people in the county in the city, you know, there's a lot of people in the city who aren't from here. And so I don't know if their outside viewpoints maybe help that. I don't know. But, uh, but I think yeah. this is where the political connections come in with Williamson County and some of our legislators who are pretty extreme in their kind of beliefs and agendas. Um, I think that there's a lot of kind of backroom conversations about this and Williamson County is ripe for headlines and grabbing national attention. And you I know. mean, we're, we're watching this in play out all over the country and there are definitely some hot spots other than Williamson County and they're all pretty similar, like yeah. in, in their makeup. So I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah. No, I, I don't either. Um, and of course now we got right May, there's some school board elections, right? Is that right? May 3rd is the primary and then the general elections August <laughs> Fourth, yeah, and so the states will be up. And they're all the you've already had to declare your candidacy, right? There's no no new. How many how many people declared themselves as Republican or Democrat or Independent? Since we have to do that now, well, I don't have my cheat sheet near me. I yeah, think um, yeah, I think there are there's a handful of people running as Independent. A few people made switches at the very last minute who had pulled Republican petitions and then pulled a different one and are now running as independent. Um, there's a few Democrats on the ballot and then a bunch of Republicans. So the Republican primary is gonna be hot. Um, two Democrats. Two, okay. Uh, eight independents. Yeah. And so the Democrat, two Democrats and the independents and will all be on the ballot in August, okay. no matter what. Okay, because wasn't there about 20 people? Yeah. There's 10 Republicans. Yeah, okay. So that's so that's 20. Yeah, 10, 8, and 2. Um, <laughs> for how many seats? How many seats are going to be open? Six. Six. So 20 people for six seats. This that is uh it's nuts. That, that is nuts, and it's going to come down to so many issues besides education. Um and, uh, to who gets uh, to who gets elected? This is that is such a bad idea that that we've gone down that it's just I don't know if we've ever recovered from that. But what are you guys doing about the charter school situation? Oh, that one is just so. There's you know Hillsdale College has their charter school application before Williamson right. County's board right now for it's sitting with their committee. There's another one too. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, so it's going through the process. You know I think. There's a lot going on in legislation right now to take the control away from local districts. Um, and just yeah. on Monday night, the school board unanimously passed a resolution against that legislation saying we need to keep local control over these decisions. 
because it impacts our schools here. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think what's interesting about this one is it's getting so much attention as basically, you know, the charter school topic is obviously very complicated, um, especially in urban areas. But here it's clearly, a, you know, a religious affiliated charter school that they're trying to use taxpayer and public money for. So I think this is just going to come to a come to a point here because Governor Lee is so in support of it and what strings they can pull to make sure that the state is in charge of these decisions. Yeah, and that, the, I mean, you know, Republicans are supposed to be against big government, but now they're just taking away all local authority uh, yeah. for these things. Um, you know, the, the governor was less than honest um, when he was talking about all this because, you know, he was talking about the struggling school systems and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and that's why we need these charter schools in these areas. Uh, and then the very first place they file is in Williamson County, which is supposed to have the best schools in the state. And it's like, okay, that's not, that's not what you said it was for. And, um, and again, you know, I, <clears throat> confession, several years ago, I had an idea uh, about a charter school um, for low income, uh, you know, all boys school with all male teachers, uh, like a first through sixth thing grade. And so then by the time they got to middle school, there would be some male influence and, and all of that. And, and it would be for the low income area. So it couldn't be, a, in my mind, it couldn't be a private school where they had to pay tuition that would not get it. And I, you know, and I had talked to some people about it and, and didn't really know everything I needed to know. But one of the persons I talked to about, I finally talked to one of the school superintendents, I'm not going to tell you which one, uh, but I, I thought I want to talk to the school superintendent about this because I want to see, you know, and uh, that particular school, he listened to me and uh, and then told me really what was bad about charter schools, which was really eye opening because I hadn't thought about it from that that perspective. And uh, and so I was like, OK, I'm not going to do that because I, I would be defeating the purpose of, um, you know, taking funds from um uh, from the kids I'm trying to help because I, you know, I'm taking funds from them. And so, and so I backed off of it. And then when I, and, and mine had, wasn't going to be a really, there was no religious component at all. And then Hillsdale, um, <clears throat> long, long story. I know a little bit about Hillsdale because um, my, the denomination I belong to actually started Hillsdale when it started. And then there was a split in our denomination in the early 1900s. And, uh, and, the the split that I'm not a part of because I wasn't born then uh, took Hillsdale with them and then Hillsdale became a uh, uh, pretty much just what it is what it is today so I know where they're coming from I know uh, you know the uh, the conservativeness of what of what they want to teach um, and so it's not just uh, it's just it's not just a, a charter school that's got some Christian principles behind it it's it's a charter school that has a very conservative conservative uh, agenda behind it. And to me, uh, they would be the leading school when it comes to white nationalism to me. I mean, that's just my own opinion. And so, and so there's that agenda behind it. And then somebody put on Twitter um, a picture of a, of a history lesson from a, a curriculum called Becca, a Becca curriculum, which is what I went to school on. And it was about slavery and how wonderful slavery was, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, and that, while Hillsdale is different from Abeka, it's the same um, stream. Uh, but you're touching on how this is what we're trying to do is connect the dots for parents and community mm -hmm. members. This is all connected. Mm -hmm. The curriculum battles in the public schools, 
the charter schools. It is literally the same group. And the vouchers. Ultimately, this is the voucher system. Yeah. The group pushing the curriculum battles in Williamson County are the same groups advertising the Hillsdale College charter school to their members. Like it is yeah. the same privatization at work here. And it it's not... <laughs> It's not unrelated. And it's really hard for people that aren't deep in the trenches of this to kind of connect all of these different pieces. Um, but it's the same kind of people pulling the strings to try to dismantle public education or government schools as they call them and send them with taxpayer money to the yeah. private school of their choice, calling yeah, it a that, charter school. No, I mean, that, and that's that's why I'm opposed to it. Because, uh, you know, if you want to have a private school, start a private school, um, you know, from that. But then they, but then they even connect the dots even more you know, the, and unfortunately I graduated uh, from a school that's, that would fit this criteria. Churches across the country in the 70s, 60s and 70s started uh, schools, Christian schools in their churches. And uh, the whole reason for that was, was desegregation. Oh, sure. they, they, and so these Christian schools were started because these Christian parents didn't want their kids going to school with um, African-Americans. Now, that's CRT <laughs> a little bit. Uh, you know, but that's just the truth of it. And so I think now the same thing is going on. These parents don't want to send their kids to a school that they think are teaching um, uh, some worldly values that go against their religious belief. And so instead, and so now, well, you know, we can't afford to start a private school, so let's start a charter school um, and uh, and public and and you know it'd be publicly funded, but yet we can have more control over the curriculum we're going to make sure our curriculum is not just christian but a particular branch of christianity um that again from my perspective is white nationalism which is which is um which is really what has harmed uh the evangelical church uh, more than it's idol that, that's idolatry we're guilty of idolatry in the evangelical church and that idolatry is nationalism um, which is exactly what uh happened in germany um and we're we're tracking that um but anyway, that's that's another podcast. <laughs> um, but it, but to see it happening in real time in my own community, because, you know, when, when the governor said the charter school and what he wanted, 100 charter schools. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not what, 95 counties. Mm-hmm. And so I assume his goal was one in every county, uh, I assume. But I thought it was starting the rural areas um, or the under resourced areas. And then the very first one is Williamson County. And it's like, no, this is not adding up. This, if you can't see the political agenda behind this, to me, I don't know what else you need to see. You don't need to connect the dots any farther than Williamson County. We had the best schools in the state, but the governor lives here. His voucher system was was got overruled by the courts. And so now here's a way around it, and we're going to start it in Williamson County. Because you know what? If he gets it through in Williamson County, the charter school in Williamson County from Hillsdale will be the model for all the other ones. Well, not even that. That's just legislation. The legislator that the resolution just came out against on Monday, they've structured this so that if the charter school gets approved in one place, then it doesn't have to be approved anywhere else. They can just open it. So it takes one approval and then they're, it's just going to pop up like little dots in every country. So they know exactly what they're doing. If you can stack the school board. <laughs> yes. Oh, all connected. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's... Uh. I, I know I traveled well, to Honduras a lot and, paying and attention. Lee kind of yeah. messed up when he talked about when he mentioned Hillsdale and his state of the state or whatever. Uh, it was. Yes, he did. That, yeah, that uh, was everyone it. was like, hold on. Um, so people are paying a lot of attention to this, as you've seen. And really, 
that's all we're trying to do is just get people to understand they actually have a voice in this um, and they can participate in the process. I mean, the bill just got delayed in education committee because of all the emails they were getting across yeah. the state. Um, so it, you know, there's only so much we can do at this point if people don't show up to vote, which we do not in Tennessee. Um, so. Yeah, I guess that's the next thing. We got to get people registered to vote and, I, and people don't, you know, <clears throat> people, if you're listening to this, please understand I would rather you vote in the local elections than the federal. I don't really care who you voted for for president. That, that that doesn't really concern me. But who you vote for school board member, who you vote for alderman, who you vote for commissioner, uh, man, that has direct influence on um, on your community. I mean, it directly. And um, and so you've got to vote uh, locally. And um, and it's it's I'm sad that I have to figure out a way to pay attention to school board elections now. I mean, it's like, man, I, I got to pay attention to that now uh, because of all these, um, all these connections. And I was going to say earlier, you know, I go to Honduras quite a bit and Honduras has got a corrupt government, but, but I'm becoming more and more convinced they're not any more corrupt than we are. <laughs> when you start looking at how all these things, um, all these things play together. So there's this different sophistication level. <clears throat> kind of the operations. Um, well, that's what I tell people. At least in Honduras, it's open corruption. You can see it, you know, whereas here it's got this mask of righteousness behind it. Um, and um, and it's it's subtle. And so it's deceptive. So which is which is really worse, an open corruption or, or that deceptive, um, you know, corruption. But but I don't know. It, it's just you know, I, I wanted you guys on here. I wanted you guys on here so I could learn some more because I try to follow this, but there's so many other things going on. It's like I'm glad that there's somebody out there who's focused completely on uh, on what's going on in the school system. We're trying. Yeah, we hope to make it simple. Um, Ann's been sending out a, a great candidate survey to all the candidates, and um, we hope to make it simple for people. Just get out and vote. But did you guys know the students who spoke? No. Yeah, so they're all Franklin High students. Franklin High. Well, that that took a lot of courage. Um, they should be proud. Their parents should be proud yeah, uh, of them. And they and they all spoke in favor. Right. There was no student that was speaking because that's what will happen next. Now, the next time they're going to they're going to find some some students who can uh, take who can show that other side uh, of that, unfortunately. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Every time a student comes to speak, honestly, no matter what side of anything they're on it is just so admirable and courageous and brave um it's just amazing to see yeah okay when it, and well did anybody say anything just really really dumb <laughs> well yeah they <laughs> they did but <laughs> all right i won't get you in hot say what it was we might have got a little snarky in our live tweeting that night but um <laughs> it's hard it's hard not to <laughs> Are you guys working, is, is one Wilco and you guys, are y'all working close together on all this or is that? We definitely, I mean, we're, we talked to them. Um, Jen Cortez, who's one of the co-founders and I go back a decade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're not, they're a nonprofit. Um, so they stay yeah. out of anything politically oriented. They, and they've been really focused on the, the kind of racism issue in schools for many years. So there's a lot of kind of intersections to the work that they're doing and what we're doing in building awareness. Um, so we definitely share information just as a like, hey, make sure that you guys are aware this is happening in the school board this week. But they're as tied in and plugged in as we are now. Yeah, good. Good. Well, thank you for being on here in the last minute. 
thank you so much. And uh, just just keep up the good work because people like me are dependent on it to, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to catch the headlines and I'll try to, uh, to keep up, but it's a whole lot easier to, to go to your website or to follow your tweet and say, oh, okay, here's something I need to pay attention to. And uh, uh, so thank you. Thank you. Because I don't, you know, a lot of us don't have time to, you know, we're, we're, we're caring about other. Yeah, we all have our part. Yeah. There's so many other issues that I'm trying to keep, keep, uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, I need, I need partners like you to keep an eye on this and to let me know if there's anything I can do. I mean, if something comes up and you think, you know, Hey, we need pastor Kevin to speak out about this, please let me know. I don't, I won't mind uh, doing whatever it is I, I need to do to help. Uh, that's great help keep our public schools uh safe for everybody instead of um uh and you know instead of one-sided toward toward one or the other we are all healthier um when we when we look out for each other instead of just pushing our own uh our own agenda our own agenda through so yeah so people thank to you. show up to vote is going to be the main thing honestly if you have one job to do it's helping us get people out to vote yeah, well, well, we'll do, I mean, we've done them in the past, so we'll do some more voter registrations uh, through our community center, and um, and just, we just got to try to get the word, try to get the word out, um, yeah. you know, but unfortunately, if there's not a federal election going on, it's just so hard to get people to, to vote midterm, and, and they don't, they don't realize, uh, they don't realize how important it is, you know, and it really, at the local level, it is, I mean, just um, a few dozen a few hundred for sure, but oftentimes just a few dozen votes uh, make all the make all this, the difference. This whole thing was a long and frustrating process, but it worked out okay because our majority of our board did the right thing, and it could have ended up very differently. Yeah, I'm proud of I'm proud of the school board. They've taken some strong stands. Both school boards have had to take some strong stands on some issues, um, and uh, to me, they've made the right decisions um, so far on the on those major. Uh, on those major things in, in the face of lots of lots and lots of pressure um, that uh, it's just uncalled for. I mean, you're not going to get good school board members because why would anybody want to get involved and, uh, um, you know, nope. have, have death threats made against them? And Literally, yeah. Yeah, well, I know. And, and I know what death threats are like on a personal level also. But then it's like, you know, if I'm just wanting to do some good, I'm a parent with a full-time job and I'm wanting to get on the school board uh, no, thanks. Yeah, that's it's a hard. lot. Yeah, that's a lot to, and, but we need good quality people uh, on there. Yeah, and, uh, and so the the yeah, I'm really really worried about about the school board with having to declare your political party. Yep, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. It's not a good thing for for kids or teachers. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for thank you so much for watching thanks. those of you. Thanks on for Facebook. having us. Yeah, and we'll get this um, edited down, and and I'll send you a link once it's on, so you can share it on your websites. Floods of Justice is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. The Tennessee Holler provides relentless coverage, shining a light on injustices throughout Tennessee. Find them online at www.tnholler.com. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.